But let's get into the book of Revelation. New chapter, chapter 10. It's a short chapter. And so, you may not believe this, we're going to cover the whole chapter today. It's only 11 verses. The title of the message is Sweet and Sour, one of my favorite Asian dishes. Let me read verses 10 through 11. Let's read it all the way through, the whole chapter. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Let's pray. Father God, we lift up this time in chapter 10 today. We thank you that we'll be able to cover an entire chapter in one day. That's kind of an unusual and special thing. So we ask that you would just cause your Holy Spirit to give us insight and understanding into what the Spirit of God is telling us in this passage through the Apostle John. Lord, bless this study, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we've been looking at a lot of the bad guys recently uh, from the previous couple of chapters. Today, we get a look at some more of the good guys. This short chapter kind of serves as an interlude before you get into the next barrage, if you will. Another mighty angel coming down from heaven. So this is one of the good guys. And he's clothed with a cloud. And we find throughout the scriptures, clouds generally attend the divine presence. Remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to talk with God, there were clouds. When Jesus uh, was caught up from uh, the Mount of Olives there in Acts chapter 1, when he went back to heaven after the resurrection, he was caught up into the clouds. Clouds always seem to be around when the divine presence is on hand. And they're associated in Revelation 11, chapter 12, which we'll get into. Chapter 11, beginning next week, uh, the clouds are associated with the resurrection of the two human witnesses. We believe these two witnesses, which will uh, be around for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, I told you not everything is chronological in the book of Revelation, so we'll meet these guys in the next chapter. Elijah and uh, Moses and Elijah, we believe, are the two witnesses, 
and they have clouds associated with their resurrection. Notice that the description of this angel, it's not Jesus, but it sounds a lot like Jesus. And we really have yet to behold, even as we've yet to behold the risen Christ, although we get a very vivid picture of him in chapter 1 of Revelation, the eyes like flaming fire, fiery eyes, feet like burnished bronze, and so forth. We have yet to see the, the full glory of these mighty angels of heaven either. We haven't seen them yet either. And yet we have a bit of a description here. Clothed with a cloud, rainbow on his head, his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. We've got some exciting times ahead of us. And as I've mentioned before, the Bible refers to as, us as children of the light, beings of light. And we, when we are fully transformed, our countenance is going to be incredible and amazing as well. Verse 2. He had a little book open in his hand, or some translations say scroll. This angel, this mighty angel. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So this is indicating that what is written in this little book holds implications for the entire planet, the entire earth. The, the water, the sea, the oceans, and the dry land. One foot on the land, one foot on the sea. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Again, sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. How many of you have ever read the Chronicles of Narnia or seen any of the films? I thought they did a really great job depicting in the films Aslan, the lion, of course, written by the great C.S. Lewis, the late great C.S. Lewis. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this angelic being, this mighty angel, when he cries out with a loud voice, it also has that sound like the roar of a lion. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. And so again, seven is the number of fulfillment, completion, perfection, and it's announcing more cataclysmic events. But as we will see, we're not allowed to know at this time what these are. So the Bible is very clear. When, it, when God wants us to know something, he spells it out. And when he doesn't, he doesn't. So when the seven thunders uttered their voices, John says, I was about to write. He was getting ready to, he's, he's uh, writing down everything that he's seeing and hearing for this book, the last book of the Bible, Revelation. But when he started to write these things down, he's told by this angel Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So right in the middle of all these judgments, all these woes, all these seals, and then we still have the bold judgments to come after the final trumpet. There are seven thunders here that God chooses not to reveal to us. Boy, only God knows what horrors these may hold, but something that we're not to know about. And it reminded me very much of what happened with Daniel in the last book of Daniel. He, Daniel has encounters with angelic beings too, which give him prophetic information about future events. And so in, in verse 4 of Daniel 12, the angel tells Daniel, But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Or King James says, travel 
to and fro about the earth and knowledge shall increase. Folks, we're living in that time. I've shared some of these things in the past, amazing things about the time we're living in. Up until the 20th century, which now we're 21 years into the new century, but up until the 20th century, over the entire course of human history, man had never traveled more than 20 miles per hour. Do you realize that? Either by boat or by horse or what have you. Now the space shuttle goes 20,000 miles an hour. Would you call that people traveling to and fro or traveling to increase knowledge, traveling halfway around the world in 12 to 14 hours on an airplane? That's a 20th century phenomenon. Daniel's told many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And yeah, we have international cooperation, if you will, between scientists and technology people from all over the world. You know, think back to, for many of us, our childhood, the animosity that existed between Russia, China, the communist, the Soviet Union, and so forth. And now you have Russian scientists, Chinese scientists. And I'm not saying that's necessarily good. I'm just saying that's what's happening. You've got people traveling here and there to increase knowledge. Knowledge has increased exponentially Again, in our lifetime. Have you noticed how quickly the technology changes now? Again, for those of us who grew up in the middle part of the 20th century, and my wife and I were watching a movie, and, uh, or it was a TV show or something, and it, was, and it had an old push-button phone. Remember those? You know? And it wasn't that long ago that you didn't carry your phone around with you. Your phone sat on a desk or a table or something in your house, and the only time you made phone calls is when you were home or at work. And then I, of course, I'm a technology buff. Maybe to my detriment, I don't know. We'll see. I've told you technology is going to kill us. <laughs> but the, the very first phone, the big brick phone, remember those? Yeah. I got one of those babies. In fact, I think before that, I even got this bag phone. Do you remember the big, bulky bag phone? It's a phone in a bag with a battery. It was huge. And then at one time, they were actually doing phones like the size of a watch. Remember those watch phones? I haven't seen any of those in a while. I guess they didn't go over. Actually, I can talk. This is an Apple watch. It never seems to work that well, though. Hello? 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 But... Theoretically, you can talk on your watch. People think you're crazy. You're walking through the grocery store. Hello? Hello? <laughs> but we're living in that time, folks, that Daniel prophesied about. You should be very excited about that. I am. Isn't that amazing? Out of all the generations of people that have lived on this planet... You and I are living in this time. Do you realize that? The time of the end, the angel says to Daniel. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Think about it. It took about 100 years or close to it from the time that Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone. Hello, operator. Remember that? To what we have today, the technology. 100 years. Now it's going like this. So fast you can't even keep up. We're living in the time 
that was prophesied in the book of Daniel. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank, two other angels. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, that's something you don't see every day. The angel was standing above the waters of the river. How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, does this sound just like what we're reading in Revelation? Yes. It will be for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. My understanding is this is referring to the second half of the tribulation. We have the tribulation and we have the great tribulation, which is the second half of the tribulation. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, the holy people are the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand, so I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Notice, as I've told you many times, we will not be here, I do not believe, for the tribulation. The believers will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air at the rapture of the church right at the beginning or just prior to the beginning of the tribulation. The focal point of the tribulation is twofold, and the, both things are mentioned here. One, the power of the holy people has been finally broken, which is referring to the fact that the people of Israel will be humbled, Finally, as the prodigal son in the Gospels, it says, after he went through all of his trials and tribulations brought on by himself, he came to his senses and he went back to the Father. The same thing is going to happen with the Jewish people. Unfortunately, there is going to be one final devastating persecution waged by the Antichrist against the Jews, the people of Israel. But the result will be that they will be broken, humbled, and brought to repentance, and they will receive Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And that's the, that's the number one purpose for the tribulation, because God has made promises that cannot be broken. He has promised to bring Israel to himself, to his son Jesus Christ, and this is the way that he will do it. And sadly, like it is for so many people, the only way many, if not most people, come to God is because they've been broken. They've been humbled. And finally come to the place where they admit, they acknowledge, they need God, they need a Savior. So, the power of the holy people has been finally broken at the end of this second three and a half years of the tribulation. All these things will be completed. Notice he mentions, many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked None of the wicked will understand. So twofold purpose for the tribulation, the restoration of Israel and the judgment upon those who refuse to repent, the wicked, the unrighteous, God's wrath poured out on a wicked, unbelieving world.
The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, Revelation 10, 5, raised up his hand to heaven, just like what we see here in Daniel. Daniel is a fantastic companion book to study alongside the book of Revelation. Verse 6, And swore by him who lives forever and ever, just like in Daniel, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. Again, God operates outside the realm of space and time, so the delay is simply from an earthly perspective. But we also know that God has been delaying this final judgment for a long, long time. And again, as we saw from Peter's writings, the mockers, the scoffers will say, where's the promise of his coming? All things continue on as they always have been. He's not coming. You Christians are crazy. And there are even some Christians who call other Christians crazy for believing that Jesus is coming soon. And yet the scriptures clearly teach us we should have a sense of expectation that he could come at any moment. Because he could come at any moment. So, even as the angel told Daniel, there are certain things, Daniel, that cannot be revealed at this time. They will be sealed until the time of the end. And so I've seen within my own lifetime, I believe, the process beginning and continuing on of unsealing, God unsealing things, the amount of study, insight, writing, books, and so forth on prophecy, the expansion of our knowledge and understanding of prophecy in my own lifetime has been exponential. It's been amazing. Pioneers like Hal Lindsey and different ones, and many others, um, Tim LaHaye wrote the uh, uh, Left Behind series and so forth. Pastor Chuck Smith, my pastor and mentor, so many that really opened up more insight and understanding. And I believe that because we are at the end of time as we know it, the last days, that God is beginning to open up and unfold these things to us like never before. And so it, it was, the angel told Daniel, seal it until the end of time. And then we see here with this angel in Revelation chapter 10 that the, whatever these seven thunders are, even you and I are not made privy to that information. So therefore, we don't need to know. God gives out information on a need-to-know basis, right? And he's not withheld from us. It's, it's wonderful how, especially in the New Testament, with the uh, incarnation of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Lord, the unveiling, the apocalypsis, those things which were mysteries to the Old Testament saints have now been opened up to you and I. All these things will be completed. God's judgment on an unbelieving, totally reprobate world. I could comment on that, but I'll just move on. I mean, my, I'm heartbroken by what they're doing to our children, our young people. And isn't it interesting? We had Gen X, remember? We had the, the millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, now it's Gen Z. There is nothing after Gen Z. Do you realize that? So here's the secular world, again, prophesying without even knowing it. There is no generation after Gen Z. You know what comes after Gen Z? The millennial reign of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. 
That's what comes next. But now, one out of six Gen Z young people, and I guess, I don't even know what the starting and ending point for Gen Z, anybody know? It's like teenagers, I'm assuming, young people going up into the... One out of six identify as LGBTQ. One out of six. Recently, not that long ago, overall it was suggested that probably only about 1% of our population, which would be, what, maybe 3.5 million? 1% identified as gay, lesbian, so forth. 1%. But one out of six Gen Z young people identify in that category. That's more than 15%, folks. And you know why? Because they're being pushed into it. They're being poked. They're being prodded. They're being encouraged. Every TV commercial now has a gay couple. Have you noticed that? Every movie. Satan is the destroyer. He hates the human race. He will destroy us and kill us any way he can. And I guarantee you all this stuff is going to destroy people. It already is. When you try to become something God didn't make you to be, you're on the road to perdition. And now anybody who says, I just read where a student was suspended, a college student was suspended for saying a man's a man and a woman is a woman. Did you know that our U.S. House of Representatives just passed a bill saying that we can no longer say, you know, that gender is scientific, specific, gender specific is not science. Really? Really? Well, no wonder Biden said uh, uh, we believe facts over truth or truth over facts, whatever it was. I'm sorry, but those aren't mutually exclusive, folks. Facts are truth and truth are facts. And it is a fact that a man's a man and a woman is a woman. I never thought I would live to see the day when people would even dispute that or argue that. Did you? That's the time we're in. We're in the end times, folks. Deal with it. We used to use an expression, that's life in the big city. Here's where we're at. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Verse 6, that there should... Be delay no longer with regards to the sounding of the seventh trumpet as we're working through the second set of judgments. Verse 7, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Now what that means is it's not going to end right here. We just saw that. There's more to come, but... The seventh trumpet will then give way to the final series of judgments, the bowl judgments or vile judgments. So it would appear, all things considered, that the sounding of the seventh trumpet signals an escalation in the outpouring of God's wrath on the earth, completing his judgment of an unbelieving world. We're told the mystery of God would be finished. And to those people in the world, the ungodly, the unbelievers, 
the rapture, the catching away of the saints, the tribulation, seven years of absolute devastation on planet Earth, the end of the age, the age of man. We begin the age of Jesus Christ, his millennial reign, the second coming and the establishment of his millennial kingdom, followed by the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, transitioning into God's eternal kingdom, no more time. All of this is a mystery to those in the world, those who don't know God, those who do not believe. And the mystery of God would be finished or completed as we move into eternity. Hebrews 1.1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And so the beginning of all these things was spoken through the Old Testament prophets. And then in these last days, which by the way, the last days actually began 2,000 years ago. Did you know that? We're just in the last of the last days. When Peter got up, on the day of Pentecost and gave his powerful evangelistic message, people were kind of freaked out, blown away because they were there for the Feast of Pentecost and there in the upper room, 120 believers gathered. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in tongues and the people from various parts of the diaspora, the, the Jews that were spread all over the known world, because they grew up in these different cultures. They spoke different languages, Greek and so forth. And they're there for Pentecost. And they hear all these Christians praising God in different languages that they never knew by the power of the Holy Spirit. And initially, some people were saying, hey, these guys are drunk. They're crazy. What's going on here? Peter says, no, 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 no. They're not drunk as you suppose. Hey, it's only 9 in the morning. Give us a break, you know. Uh, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions and so forth. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. All the New Testament writers spoke about the last days, being in the last days. But again, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years to God. So for God, it's only been a couple days. But on the third day, Jesus arose from the dead, didn't he? And guess what? We're in that third, the beginning stages of that third millennium from the time that Christ was here on the earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead. We're within that time frame where we could argue this is the third day. Also, it's the seventh millennium from the beginning of creation, from the creation of the world, the creation of man, Adam and Eve. Seven is the number of fulfillment or completion. We're at the beginning of the seventh millennium. To me, everything's coming right into place. And God is not a man that he should lie. Verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is opened in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he told me, take it and eat it. Uh, when you have something that you're trying to keep secret, right? Mission impossible. Of course, they just blow the whole thing up. But have you ever seen that in a movie or something where they, they, they take the, 
the info and they, they chew it up and eat it and swallow it, you know, they'll never get it out of me. The angel tells him to eat the book. It'll make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Charles Ryrie says, The eating of the little book or scroll was to remind John that although these truths from God may be pleasant to his taste, they were bitter when digested because they spoke of judgment. The revelation of God's judgment on careful reflection should always bring heaviness of heart to the child of God. In other words, we never rejoice about God's judgment. We realize it must come, it has to come, but it should still cause compassion to well up within our hearts that those who will become the victims of God's judgment and hope and pray that we can win as many over as possible before that time comes. So verse 10, Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. You ever had that happen? Oh, something, it just tastes so good. Oh, this is great. Mm. And after it goes down, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> but this is a spiritual thing here, of course. But this section reminds me of Psalm 19. Let me read you verses 7 through 11 of Psalm 19. You can follow along on the screen. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord, specifically the Old Testament law, but in general, all of God's word is the law of the Lord. Notice that it's perfect, and it converts the soul. Countless numbers of people have been converted, saved, born again, simply by getting a hold of a Bible and reading it. God's word is powerful, it's alive, it's active. Anybody here that you got saved that way? Primarily just from reading the Bible? There's some of you. That's the ministry of the Gideons, to get the word of God out to as many people as possible. Some people are in isolated situations. They don't, there's nobody there to talk to them, but if they can get a, just even a New Testament into their hands, you can be saved. It has power to convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You can be a simple person, not a lot of higher education, but God's word, his testimony, is able to make you wise. The statutes of the Lord are right, correct, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And this is where it really ties in with what John is experiencing here. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So the word of God is sweet. So as John eats the book, transcribed within that little book are God's words and it tastes sweet but because of the content as it goes down into his stomach it becomes bitter because as we mentioned it has to do with judgment and then we find it here in verse 11 moreover by them your servant is warned we can never point the finger at God and say you didn't warn me he does. His, his word is filled with 
with love, grace, mercy, blessings, forgiveness, but it also contains warnings, does it not? Aren't there warnings in the Word of God about things that we ought not to do, right? If you do this, then that's going to happen. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And that's what John is feeling down in his stomach, these warnings of impending judgment. And in keeping them, all these things, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments are true and righteous. In keeping them, there is great reward. The challenge for us is that we have to resist that carnal, fleshly human desire for instant gratification in favor of the eternal rewards that God has in store for those who love Him, serve Him, trust Him. In keeping these things, there is great reward. But as is always the case, for the most part, there are temporal, earthly rewards that God bestows upon the faithful. As I've shared with you before, I try every day to thank God for every blessing that He's given me. But the greatest rewards are the eternal rewards that we will not even see until this life is over. Those are the ones who last forever. Verse 11, And he said to me, this mighty angel, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So don't write down the seven thunders. Don't reveal the contents of this little book. You eat it. But there's a lot more to write about. You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So the angel's telling John, You're not done yet, John. There's a lot more to this revelation. Let's stand. Father God, we thank you for this amazing book and that you have made known things to us that in times past were hidden. We are part of a blessed generation, the end times generation, now that seeing the opening up and the unveiling of these things which have previously been hidden. How blessed we are, Father, to be here on planet Earth at this time, even though we see many Terrible things happening around us, Lord. This is an exciting time to be alive for those who know you, those who believe in you, those who trust you. Lord, continue to give us wisdom, guidance, and direction. Give us strength to stand firm in these last days. Lord, help us not to just hunker down and try to hold on. Help us to be outgoing, outspoken, to share our faith with people, to let people know that you're real, that you're alive and well and that Jesus is coming soon, Lord. Thank you for this body of believers. Help us to stay close to one another, close to you. And Lord, I just want to take a moment to pray for anyone here this morning that has a prayer request. If you just raise your hand right now, I'd like to pray for you or someone else that you know that needs prayer. Father, you see all these hands. And Lord, you've told us to ask, to seek, to knock, to call upon you. And we thank you, Father, that you promised us if we would ask anything in Jesus' name that you would hear that prayer. And so we do come now in the precious name of Jesus. We lift up each one here that maybe have, has a health issue. Lord, it could be a small thing or a big thing. Lord, you care about every aspect of our lives. 
from the smallest hangnail to some major potentially terminal illness. You care about each and everything. So we lift up physical ailments today. We pray that your healing hand would be extended to each and every one struggling with a physical ailment. Father God, you are the great physician. We pray that you would pour out your healing oil upon those in need right here, right now, Father. Lord, we are looking to you and calling upon you for the kind of miracles that we read about in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Lord, we know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, so we do ask for healing power to be released on those who need it. Lord, for financial provision for those who need that, for wisdom and guidance with finances to be able to manage them properly and to be able to utilize the resources that you've given to the best of our ability. Lord, for those lacking resources, please provide for them. You promised that you would provide for our needs. Pray for those who need a job, that that would be provided. Lord, we pray for those with mental, emotional issues going on, that you would comfort them, strengthen them. Lord, deliver them from any oppression that the enemy may have brought upon them. Lord, you said you came to set the captives free. We pray that you do that here this morning and for those watching online as well, Lord. Break the power of the enemy over your people that he would have no place. Like Jesus said, here comes Satan and he has no place in me. Father, do we just pray that you would completely remove his effectiveness and influence from the lives of your people. Lord, that you'd heal broken relationships. Lord, we know that you've called us to be peacemakers. Help us to be the first to reach out, even if we've done nothing wrong, Lord, to be like Jesus, to follow his example, to be peacemakers and those who model restoration and forgiveness. Father, we lift up all these people to you now and ask you to encourage them, strengthen them, comfort them. In Jesus' name, amen.